welcome you into another edition of the Stingers Up Sacramento State Football Podcast, Episode 2 of the 2022 season. It's game week. The Sacramento State Hornets open up Saturday, game time 7.30 now, with the excessive heat in the region as they will take on Utah Tech in the home and season opener. Now, Utah Tech, formerly Dixie State, we'll give you a little preview to that game to wrap up today's podcast and look back at last year's season opener, then in St. George at Dixie State. Uh, We'll do that before this podcast wraps up. But on our first episode, and thank you so much to all of you that took the time to listen to our offensive preview where we heard from Troy Taylor and the offensive coaches. Today, we will look at the defense, special teams, and like we said, preview uh, the upcoming season and home opener on Saturday versus Utah Tech. But let's get to that defense. And the guy figureheading and spearheading the defense is Andy Thompson. He's been a really good coach, a really good defensive coordinator for the Sacramento State Hornets. And a season preview, kind of looking at all aspects of the defense. But he coaches the linebackers as well and really all the positions. But we start with Coach Thompson on linebackers because he loses. You know, Marcus Hawkins was really instrumental in the Hornet defense a year ago. Taylor Powell had been with him at Northern Arizona and here last year at Sacramento State. So some guys that the Hornets have to figure out a way to fill in those spots. So I start by asking Coach Thompson about how difficult it is to replace a couple of big-time linebackers. I try not to think of it as replacing them. Um, I try to think of it as guys getting an opportunity now. And um, Armand Bailey's been here for a long time, just think come off my name he's gonna you know he's going into his fifth year here at Sac State Um, he's only gonna be a junior Um, he's had a few injury things but I've gotten to coach him for going into his fourth season so he's one of those guys that I think is really gonna emerge as a guy that's ready to play Um, Jeremy Harris same thing fifth year already has his degree in graduate school he's got two years left Um, so those guys are are guys just popping my head that I've gotten to coach but now their roles are going to be elevated uh, and then we, we've added some guys. We've got a good group of young guys that are coming in and then some older guys. Uh, Nakia Jackson, the kid who's player of the year down in Stockton, he's, uh, he's fighting to, to play OG. Uh, Fail is a kid that came into our program last year, Mitchell Wolf, And then Brock Mather's probably been the biggest one that's come in and, and has contributed right away. He's really physical. He's from Bakersfield Junior College. Um, so we have, we've got some ability. We just have to go out and we have to play together and we have to establish um, their own identity and group, and, and um, it's exciting to, to do it. I love Hawkins. I love Taylor Powell. Those are great guys. Again, I don't think you replace them. I think it's just somebody else gets their opportunity to be who they are. You bring up a guy like um, Brock Mather, who's played a lot of football but not as a Hornet yet. Mm-hmm. What do you see in him that you feel like, hey, he's going to come in here and, and be a guy already? Just that physical um, tackling ability. Um, he's older. He's 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 uh, 22. He actually um, worked for his dad in an ice company his first year out of high school, and then went to junior college for two years. And then you have the COVID year. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, um, a guy that's gotten to be able to physically mature and played really good football down there at Bakersfield, and um, has come up here, got here last semester. So he's been here a whole semester and has been in the program and got to do spring practice and got to do summer. and So I feel like he's been here a long time, even though we haven't seen him on the football field yet. So um, done a great job of, of preparing himself for the season. Now obviously, you're responsible for the entirety of the defense, but just for your positions as well, the linebackers, nickelbacks, just give us an overview of kind of what you expect from guys at those positions. 
Yeah, the nickels really get coached more by Coach um, Cherokee. Um, he does – those guys go in the secondary room. Now, they come in, and I, I teach a lot of them because in certain formations, they're like an outside linebacker where they're playing right. truly linebacker outside or they're in the box against, you know, two tight ends or two running backs. Um, so I do spend time with them. But, again, they're in the DB room because they do cover, because you'll see Marte Mapu back in the post mm-hmm. um, playing that. So it's a hybrid position. Um I think just overall, I think we we are going to have a lot of speed. Um, I think we're going to be athletic, um, which would hope you'd think at Sacramento State. I think they've been known for that long before I got here of having tremendous athletes um, that can run and and be physical. We're really hoping to to not just be that, um, be really disciplined and smart and opportunistic, uh, and be able to play um, great defense when it matters. Um, you're always defined on sometimes two or three plays during a game and, and you have to accept that and be willing to take each individual play and, and be at your very best but they prepared very hard there is not going to be a lack of attention to their detail they've done a great job as players we're very lucky that the players work so hard in our program and, and truly it's a testament to coach taylor and the culture that he has installed here because guys they really work at it so it's very easy to coach them Let's ask you then overall about the defense. So when you come into a year, are you doing this based, your defensive scheme based on personnel, based on what you want to run? Like how do you measure, or is it a week-to-week kind of situation? This matches up better with Eastern or Weber or so on and so forth. I think that's that's the great part about college football is you never have the same group. You really never have the same group in any level anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you try to find their strengths and you see what they do well each each position. Um, as the coordinator, and you have some core values. We have we talk about a standard. Um, we want to play with great effort. We want to play with great physicality. We always want to stress to try to take the ball away, um, and we always want to play with great passion. And if we do those four things, the X's and O's, it's my job to try to figure out what our guys do better. If you're playing more man coverage, if you're playing zone, if you're going to rush four man, three man, five man, six man, all that stuff. That's our job, and we have a lot of time to do that. The player's job is really to focus on how much better they can get within those fundamentals that we try to drill into them consistently. Um, so, yeah, it's a new group. I think there'll be some things that you go like, oh, yeah, that looks like maybe a Hornet defense before, but hopefully there's some things that you're like, wow, that's new, that's different, that's cool. Um, so we always want to be on the cutting edge if there's something we can do to help our guys better. And um, we study a lot of different things in the off season, and our players work on you know different skills that they can have. I think ultimately, the best defenses I've been around have all had the identity that they love playing with each other, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we're working on right now um, is them every day going out and being as consistent as they can because that's what builds trust within a defense, not some magic formula or some scheme it's really being able to trust the guy next to you that he's going to do his his job and he's going to consistently do that and um therefore you can you can hopefully stop these wild offenses that are in college football how much does it help you that there's continuity with your coaches i mean there's one change in your secondary you have a new coach there but i mean coach cherokee coach paul you you've had this group for a while now yeah i think continuity always helps as long as you're growing, um, and I think we are. I think we're, we're adapting in our, our third year, you know, season, fourth year together. Um, I don't think we're the same staff. Uh, I think we're, we're trying to get better, and in addition to Coach Whitfield, has been great. Uh, he brings a lot of knowledge and brings a lot of uh, enthusiasm. Um, 
so he's been a great addition. Um, we've got different always uh, support staff people. Noah Taylor's helping us out. You know, Cody Olowski. Um, there's other guys that help out a ton, Colton. So I feel like um, even though we've had great continuity and you can you don't have to start with day one things, you kind of restart everything every year. Um, and so it, it is fun, and that's always the challenge. You know, no one cares really what you did last year, and they shouldn't because you're starting with a new group and you got to continue to build. But I do think there's expectations, and everybody here – has high expectations to, to play well, and every day it's a challenge because we go against such a great offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that forces you really quickly to to get going and, and to make sure that you're, uh, I say, just even covering down or you're going to give up a lot of touchdowns and it's not going to be a great practice, not a lot of fun to have a bunch <laughs> of people score points on you every day. I know in the past you talked about havoc plays, getting the ball back quickly to your mm-hmm. offense. Any kind of... I don't know, team defensive philosophy goals or targets you're trying to hit? We, you know, we want to we want to take away whatever the offense does well. I think that's one thing I don't mention very often, but we try to do that every week. So, you know, if it's Dixie State and they're going to be the run-and-shoot offense, mm-hmm. obviously you've got to be able to still do a really good job of limiting explosive plays in the pass game. That's just an example I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, Northern Iowa would be you, you have to be able to stop the the run and the, the deep passes because they don't throw a lot of intermediate short passes sometimes. Um, so each week presents a challenge of whatever they do really well, and I think we always – try to identify that early in the week and yeah. give our guys a chance to be successful with that. And then, obviously, the more depth you have, the more consistent you can be with your scheme. You know, if you have something where something comes up with an injury or somebody's out, you know, that can adjust what you do. And, um, you know, each season takes on its its own identity with how the way it's going to go. Um, but I do know if you have great preparation and you care a lot, then – kids keep with it and they stay with it and we, we've got a good group that's prepared really well so lastly you feel good about the group though from front to back we talked about linebackers but defensive line corners safeties uh all the guys you feel pretty good about what you got going in i do i do i, I feel really good um just because of that work ethic and then um you know what sacramento state uh had to offer it's it's a great place to recruit to we have a lot of things here that a lot of kids love to come and and live in Sacramento. It's a great place. It's diverse. Um, our football players get treated really well by the administration. So you know, being here now and, and being able to recruit to it, it it really um, is great to have some of these guys that are coming in. They're like, man, coach, this is great here. I'm like, yeah, it's a it's a special place. Um, so feel very thankful that we've gotten a chance to uh, recruit some great student athletes to come in. And I think Hornet fans are going to be excited uh, when they watch these guys play because. They really are enjoying themselves being here. And, and when you're, again, in an in a environment where you like where you are, usually you get the best of, of people. And I, I feel like we're good, sitting in a good situation to hopefully see the very best from, from these kids. All right, there's an overview, a preview of what we can expect from the defense, from defensive coordinator Andy Thompson. Now, as far as the other position coaches, let's go to the defensive line. Hornet defensive line has been able to get after the quarterback the last couple of years. They're guided by defensive line coach Craig Paulson. And I asked him, started here with uh, also names looking that the Hornets have to replace, big-time names. A couple years ago, Georgia Bina wreaking havoc and others in that defensive line. 
uh, replacing a few guys from last year as well as Josiah Erickson. Tough thing to do, but I started by asking Coach Paulson if it's just kind of keep the pipeline rolling and hopefully the Hornets have more stellar defensive linemen this year. Well, yeah, I mean, part of the position is, you know, you the one thing about defensive line is you can play a lot of guys if they're ready. So we've been fortunate to have guys that were getting meaningful game reps as those older guys were showing the way. So it doesn't always happen that way, but we've had a you know good run of kids. And, and the idea is there's some continuity there because you're not getting into a year where there's people there but they don't have any game experience. Mm-hmm. I look at the defense, and to me it seems like a really fast defense. Now up front you need a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. How do you characterize just the size versus speed? Do you have that, enough of that combo up front? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, time will tell on that. But, yeah, depending on the opponent, you got even your interior D linemen end up in space against some of these spread teams, and then you're going to face the teams that are putting a tight end or two, you know, tight end wing-ish and quarterback under center, and you got to own those gaps inside. So we're trying – we always try to teach the guys the all of the skills, but the reality is some kids are more suited for the power-type football teams versus the spread. So – knock on wood but we feel good about we have kids that could play both and a couple of them you know that can play both of them or or specialists in either so is that i guess maybe how you decide who plays you know if you're playing northern illinois or northern iowa excuse me um weber montana that's generally beefier bigger lines maybe there's is is that kind of how it might work exactly i mean these kids are Obviously, you want starters. Like we, we play a lot of kids, but starting is important. That means you're doing it right most of the time. And so there's still competition to be a starter. But there's also a way for another kid that maybe because of a game plan that he's going to get more turns that week, which is exciting mm-hmm. because it keeps everybody motivated. But, yeah, I mean, there there's nothing wrong early in your career being a quote-unquote specialist or someone that would be needed during that game. But the whole point is we're trying to get them to all be able to play against every opponent, but that's not exactly how it is. Yeah. But hopefully your starters could play against any type of offense you saw, and then you kind of build from there. But, yeah, it's a good question because there are, quote-unquote, different two deeps depending on what we're seeing. Yeah. So, But the, the other part is is even the northern Iowas of the world have a little bit of spread too. Yeah. So you got to be careful about you know who's on the field. They're going to have to be able to play it. But overall, it's a really good group of kids. Um hard workers trying to pay attention to detail and by far our number one asset is going against our offense every day yeah so yeah for sure i want to ask you about the guys that you've had reps from that have produced as hornets you know you got experience uh, coming back certainly hardiman's played a lot stanley not um nagata we saw last year roscoe uh like a like when you've got those guys um how valuable is their past experience for you oh very very and it's you know, there are different things in different games and different learning experiences. So when they first get in, you know, you try and play them in the middle of the field, not in the red zone, so forth and so on. But you're at this position, you're always trying to buy kids playing reps because that's how you truly get better mm-hmm. is when the scoreboard's on. So as long as we're able to keep that natural flow of guys starting out as spot players and moving into a bigger role, I, I think you're fortunate because you don't get those drop-offs mm-hmm. and then the other side of the coin is your top end guys have to be able to help you win games it's not just this is all we have so to speak mm-hmm. hopefully those starters are good players and they elevate the um the group because that's where it really starts when we watch film every day is the film it doesn't lie i mean right. 
so everybody can learn from somebody else in their position. So, yeah, I think those all these things are a byproduct of having good competition. And that's what we're, yeah, you know, that's what we're trying to do. And like I said, nobody thinks they've arrived, even our oldest guys. And that's been a common theme of everybody stay hungry and, and uh, you know, get ready for a game because you only get to play it once. Right, right. And you also get a sprinkle in of a, a new guy transfer portal, you know, from Texas, Delhi. I mean, physically looks the part. And what, what do you think you have in a, in a new player like him? Well, we're always, you know, if there's an, if there's a, opportunity to improve what you already have i mean we're always looking yeah um he was a guy that wasn't necessarily playing it was kind of like nagata they were playing off the ball you know true linebacker five yards off the ball rush occasionally we just felt like this kid had a body type and then when we met him we knew mentally he had the ability to take that transition and, and get to the line of scrimmage and Ultimately, he's a good kid. He's jumped right in, and he's you know the group likes him, and and the team likes him. Um, you know, it's just a matter of trust us. This is what we think you can do. Even yeah. though I mean, he, I'm not saying he had never done it, but he didn't do it with regularity. Right. And I I'm I'm not trying to group kids together, but ultimately, the common theme between him and someone like Ariel is like they don't want to see college football end that way. So the opportunity to go to another place, try another position mm-hmm. wasn't hard because it was just simply they wanted to finish up football better. I mean, more reps, yeah. you know, and more of a, a prominent piece in a program. And that's kind of where we're at with this portal deal, yeah. you know, is how do I want this thing to finish up? And then ultimately, if they want to play after that, all they can do is put it on film. Yeah. And then somebody else will come in and decide if that's good enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're glad we have him. Yeah, I was thinking even about, as you said that about Nagata last year, I mean, I don't know how percentage you would know. It seemed like he's rushing, rushing, rushing on the edge. But then there's the Davis game. He drops back and picks off a pass yeah. 20 yards downfield. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible ability. Yeah, well, that's what that spot is all about. So, I mean, I can't go back and watch every right. every piece of their tape prior to, but it was the ratio was flipped. They were rarely rushing and mostly covering. And so all we did is flip the script and make them more of a, line of scrimmage presence and then occasionally drop back and it's it's fit what they wanted so yeah not rock like i said not rocket science <laughs> but just given the ability to show these kids hey there here's a guy like erickson who was the same thing he was a linebacker right. off the ball guy here's what the job entails and we think you've got the goods how about the defense as a whole? Obviously, you guys get it started, hopefully get your pressure and, and disrupt things. But what's behind you? What have you seen from, from the totality of your defense? Oh, I think it's, you know, we're, we're I guess the word is on schedule. I mean, the once again, all of this goes back. We've got a great opportunity each day to get in so many reps at full speed with our offense. Mm-hmm. You know, with Coach Taylor, everybody is, understands the rules of – you know, staying off quarterback, you know what I'm saying, is how can you practice fast? And it really has to do with the blocks in front of you. So we can get that speed of the block, and then obviously we don't finish players all the way down to the ground. And I think it helps both sides. I, number one thing in in my career that you've, I've seen is college guys are closer to high school guys when they come out, meaning they need reps, they need reps, they need reps. We're not in the NFL where, you know what I'm saying, you yeah. can you don't have to go hard. It's this helps them build it, and it's frankly, it's it's pretty motivating for our kids to come in and see they're on film, twenty to twenty five, eleven on eleven snaps a day. Mm-hmm. 
And then you also have to have numbers because they couldn't take more than that and keep them healthy through it. So it's a good, it's a really um, exciting deal for a kid that comes in and, and you know, he, you like to watch yourself Mm -hmm. and you like to watch others, but you like to see yourself on film. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's been really good. The cooperation is outstanding and, um, you know, we wa- everybody watches their tape, and in each play, an offense will stress a different part of the defense, right? And that's what that's how they design their plays. So it's wonderful because yeah. we have a chance to go watch it, correct it before the scoreboard's on. Yeah. Last thing on that, too, uh, not a ton of tackling, obviously by design. Does that show any impact when, when it's a game? Oh, it can. Um, we just What we're trying to do with tackling is make it isolated against a bag yeah. and you know, emphasize important parts, but no doubt it's, it's, I think across the country, you see guys that that's the thing that's missing, like the first game. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, how cl-? you just try and get as close as you can. Mm-hmm. Cause you, as a tackler, you can get hurt. It's not always just the guy getting tackled. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's the, that's the dance, but we try and get things close as we can without over talking. This is make drills as close as we can to actually tackling somebody so that, it's not a major factor. All right, there was some perspective from defensive line coach Craig Paulson uh, talking about that defensive line. Well, we've heard from Andy Thompson on the linebackers. we got to go to the back end. Cherokee Valeria coaches the really all the defensive backs, the safeties as well, but there's a little bit of a breakdown there of different entities with him and Coach Whitfield. It's a new member of the Hornet coaching staff we'll hear from next, but let's start with Coach Cherokee Valeria, who has been around this Hornet program the entire time Coach Troy Taylor is here, and he's seen the success of this team. But I started by asking him just his overall opinion of the 2022 Hornet defense. I feel really good. Um, we continue to develop day in and day out. I think that Shark group, our secondary group, has done a great job of bringing in some new guys and teaching them their standard and the culture that we live by. Um, so we're we're getting better and better every day. Well, let's get to the group that you are kind of have your eyes on, which is Anywhere from nickelbacks, middle of the field, to the back end, the corners. Um, an overview on that. I mean, there, there's a lot of players you're going to count on, but what do you think about your group going into the 2022 season? I think the greatness about our group is we have a bunch of athletes that can play multiple positions. You could have corners that play safety, safeties that can play nickel and vice versa and move guys around. So with me and Coach Whitfield um, controlling the secondary, we can move the best piece in the right spot, and it's huge. Um, so we might have a – injury down the line that we might need a corner to play a safety or a safety to play a nickel or vice versa. Uh, and that is great. And I think that's what brings uh, us have, being all together and learning everything all together, um, that that type of, you know, force with everything and having, you know, them play together is a great thing as well. Watching your defense collectively, I see a ton of speed. And you obviously need speed on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um what can that do for you guys? What, what kind of strength does that speed bring your defense? Obviously, it allows Coach Thompson to call various man coverages, zone coverages, you know, pressures. You know, when you have speed on the field, that can cover opposing offensive wide receivers and lock them down. Um, it just opens up the gate to a different variety of calls that he could come with. Um, when you don't have that speed, then you have to play a lot more zone. You have to keep guys in front of you. You know, and kind of play the bend, don't break, and not take like you know, not take a lot of chances on things. So having that speed all the way around allows us to be more versatile. Um, allows us to play with a lot more aggression. You know, especially in the play calling ability, um, and it allows us to play good matchups all the way across. 
want to get into some of the individuals and what kind of you, you look at and work with the Nickelbacks. You're going to have experience in Marte Mapu. Jace O'Hara played a lot last year. Uh, Darian Pollard's probably a name we're going to see. Um, a guy like Marte, who had such a great year and continues to grow, what does he mean to kind of that heartbeat of the defense? Well, he's one of the biggest leaders we have in that room. He does a great job taking care of the younger guys and teaching them what to do and how to do things. But Marte, his work ethic is his number one asset that he brings. You know, he's always up in the in the office trying to learn more, try to understand more. He's either sitting in with Coach Whitfield or myself and learning different techniques or just understanding concepts in general. Um, and that consistent work ethic that he has, um, that bleeds to the rest of our Sharks in our, in our defensive secondary. Um, and it shows. It shows up on the field. He's prepared. He's ready. Um, he communicates loudly, um, and he identifies offenses really well. Um, and all that comes back to how he looks at film and how he analyzes things. Well, let's go to some of those guys in the secondary and the corners. Names like Prince Washington, who we've seen play a lot for the Hornets before, uh, Patrick Dean, Caleb Nelson, amongst others. Uh, is that a group that you can do that mix where you can play some pressure man-to-man and others in the zone kind of thing? I think one of the biggest things they have to do is be able to play man in this defense. You know, they got to be able to lock guys down, cover guys one-on-one um, to allow us to bring various pressures. And then we might give the same look down the line and zone off and play a zone from it. So Pat Dean, you know, Prince Washington, Caleb Nelson, uh, Devon Houston, uh, Dylan Janelle, they all bring those aspects of locking guys down one-on-one, but also being able to come back and play you know, zone coverage out there as well. How about the back end of that, though? The safeties, big responsibilities back there. Ian Moore's back after, what, about four games at the end of the year we saw him. Mm-hmm. Cameron Broussard, Abel Ordaz has played a lot of Hornet football. Um, Gavin Davis-Smith, Cameron Rocha, I think those are the names we're, we're all going to hear. What do you have in that group? I think it's been an amazing improvement with Coach Witt coming in um, and taking care of that secondary and especially the safeties and the communication that he demands out of them has been unbelievable and you see it starting to develop on the field you see their communication factor grow um and the guys are playing with a lot more confidence they're out there flying around making plays you know interacting with the corners the nickels the backers and everybody else and i think coach Witt did a great job bringing that into that room and demanding that from day one do you have Defensive goals, defensive target. I know the Sharks, and it's a great theme. I, everybody wants takeaways and turnovers, but do you put numbers out there on expectations for that? I think we play one game at a time. You know, Coach Thompson always pushes on us that we want three takeaways a game. Uh, we try to do that any means necessary. Of course, the Sharks would love all three to come from us, but, you know, if we could tip a ball and a backer could pick it off, that's one, you know. And, and if a D-line could pull one down or scoop one up, that's another one. Um, so there's no real true numbers. There's kind of a pressure to get those three. But in our shark room, as long as we are there, you know, flying around, making plays uh, one game at a time, one play at a time, we're doing our job. All right, last thing for you. Uh, you guys have earned your expectations, your rankings. Uh, this year's, though, new, brand new year. But um, what do you think? Do you like Do you like that? I don't know if there's added pressure, but you guys have earned the, the accolades. I always, when the rankings come out, I'm, I'm a big social media guy, and I, I always say the same thing. It's just a number. Mm-hmm. It's a number in the beginning. You know, it's a number during the season. The only ranking that really matters is the ranking at the end of the season. So pressure, non-pressure, we still got to play one game at a time. We got our biggest challenges week one with Utah Tech, you know, and, and trying to make sure that we're prepared and ready to go against a new offensive coordinator and everything else. So, you know, I think rankings don't really matter. You know, it's just a number.
Thank you to Coach Valeria, the Sharks. What a nickname for those guys. Just love it and see how aggressive they're going to be in the 2022 season. So you've heard from a lot of names and coaches that you're familiar with. Well, new to the program, helping with the secondary and the safeties, is Coach Cody Whitfield. He joins that Hornet defensive staff. And I got to him, got a chance to talk to him about being the newest member of this established coaching staff. This is a great fit. Like you said, this is a place that's had success, right? So first and foremost, it makes the job attractive. You know, being able to, you know, apply to a position where the team has been successful, the team has an established culture, which you find out about, you know and believe in when Coach Taylor talks about love. And then now, what can I contribute to the team? And I felt like it presented both some comfortability but a challenge as well to be able to add to that. So let's start there. What do you think you can add? I mean, every coach has a different style, different perspective, different background. What do you think you bring? Yeah, I'm certainly youthful. Um, (laughs) I like to bring a lot of energy, that's for sure, to the back end. And I think, you know, being in the secondary is a position that does have exuberance, does have that passion, that fire, and ultimately drives the culture of the team, right? These are the guys who are going to be dancing on the TikToks and doing all that stuff in their private social media. But on the field, to be able to have that leadership and charisma, I think is going to help the back end and help the defense overall. So, you know, with my youthful presence, but hopefully some knowledge of the game as well, I could contribute that to where the guys are playing more confident, Mm -hmm. you know, expressing their personalities and ultimately helping us go farther. So you want that secondary, the nickelbacks, the safeties to play with a swagger then? Yeah, a swagger, but I want to be sure that it's a a quiet confidence, you know, Mm -hmm. not boisterous or anything like that, not talking over the top unnecessarily, but confident in themselves, their ability, their preparation, most importantly, that now everything takes care of itself on the field. So the group that you have as a defense and you're looking at your safeties and all the positions, corners, nickelbacks as well. What do you think? What do you think you have in this group? You've been other places. You've seen other programs. What about the Hornets? Yeah, we got a special group of guys. I think the first thing that you see that stands out is the culture of the room, right? Coming into it, you know, knowing that they have an established moniker called Sharks and all that stuff and having the question initially, what does that mean? But then you see it from day one. You see it when they go out to practice and they all form a little group and just line up and pray together, you know, express their intentions for their practice, the focus, the things that they have to get done. You know, when you step into that, it's a very easy to to see how – you know, they operate and then obviously elevate my own standard to match what the kids are bringing themselves. Mm-hmm. When, sure. you, when you look at your players that you're going to be and Hornet fans are going to watch, do you put any, I don't know if I want to say any more on one player, but do you have expectations that you go, okay, this player has potential to be all conference, have a huge impact on this defense? Yeah, we don't think too much about the end game. So the accolades and the stuff, the awards, because you're just on another list, right? You know, yeah, you could be on the list at the beginning of the season and be a problem, or you could be, at the, be on the list at the end of the season and be awarded for your efforts. I think the biggest pressure we put on the guys is play to the standard. You know, Coach Thompson talks about the standard defense all the time and what that means, right? Effort is number one. So if there's any pressure coming from me, it's going to be uphold the standard. So whether you guys as a defense are up in the booth or on the sideline, who – do you anticipate as kind of a coach on the field for that back end of the defense? Yeah. So as a player, you're saying, yeah, I think it's those experienced guys that we talked about before. So guys who have been in the program, Marte Mapu, who's played multiple positions, you know, Abel Ordaz, who's, you know, earned all of his leadership roles and capabilities in the back end, um, has that same experience as well. 
I think most importantly, because we demand so much from the Shark Room in terms of communication, everyone being on the same page, you'd like for all of them to be the leader, especially in the back end, right? Uh, being able to get to the right call, right component check, all things like that. So you expect more from the guys who've been here, but you hopefully, uh, hopefully get everyone to that same level. I don't think I've ever asked this. The Shark Room, it just, it's just a cool name. Yeah. Is the rest of the defense, does anybody in the other group have a name? Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't focus on the other groups. <laughs> Certainly, You're a we, team. We are a team. <laughs> we are a team. But, uh, you know, each position demands something else. Yeah. And I think in the back end, you know, there was something that used to go around with corners being on an island, being, mm-hmm. you know, solitary animals and all that stuff. And, yeah, you could say a shark is a solitary animal. But when you get in that deep water and you got – a pod of sharks you got a group of sharks then it gets real spooky i think now we can play as a unit you know and really own up to that name on the football field all right last thing i like to ask the defensive coaches and the same with the offense about the defense so i'll ask you about hornet offense you won't have to face them soon anymore which i'm sure you got yeah um but expectations of, of that side of the ball yeah they push us every day in practice you know they're very unique they are very multiple on that side of the ball with ability to isolate matchups, to get to anything, you know, be able to run different sets, different personnel groups and all that stuff. So, you know, the way they challenged us in fall camp, you just hope they do the same thing and can play with that same ability in the season, which I'm sure they will. I'm sure you're glad you don't have to go against Troy Taylor. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. The same thing that makes the job attractive, you know, with his success individually as a coach and all the places he's been also makes it very frustrating come fall camp. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, Coach. Welcome to SAC. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, so we've now covered the defense. You heard from the offense last week in our episode one. Also, the other element, an important element, and an element the Hornets have been pretty good at the last couple of years, special teams. So great to have Kyle Sinkowski back. But there's some new looks, new faces, and some other important players that are going to be instrumental in the Hornets special teams unit. So we visit once again with Jeremy LaPan, who also coaches the tight ends. And amongst all the players coming back, I think there's one addition that may have caught most of the attention of Coach LaPan. Biggest move of the offseason, do I understand there's a new addition to the family? Yeah, got a new son, uh, born uh, August uh, 3rd, so what is that, two weeks ago, two wow. weeks and a couple of days. How's that? It's been it's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, big is change. it too early to recruit? Uh, no, I mean, we're, uh, we're working on his, you know, his neurological system right now and doing tummy time and nice. all that stuff to get him ready to go. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I know that's very exciting. So g- congratulations. Uh, let's start with special teams. Obviously we'll, we'll cover a couple things with you, but special teams, huge factor in the team. It's nice for you. I'm sure knowing that you have Kyle Sankowski coming back. Kyle Sankowski's a stud. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've known him for, uh, for a lot of years now, coached him for a couple. Um, and he's just steady Eddie. He just... You know when he's going to go out there, he's going to make the kick. Um, never gets too high or gets too low, just a, a, a constant professional. Yeah. So I, he's a leader in that room and uh, does a really good job. Obviously, it's more than him. You need the snapper, you need the holder. Where are you looking at there as far as key elements to, to the kicking game? Yeah, you know, it's crazy because, you know, Abel, our dad, he was our special teams uh, captain a couple years ago. He's also a really good holder. So it's looking like he'll hold, compete with another guy at holding. Um, but Abel's doing a great job and then got a couple of young snappers in right now. Um, and, uh, you know, Campos has done a really good job of getting perfect laces and zipping it back there. And, and so I think we have a really good fill unit. 
And then punting. Hopefully you're not doing that much, but if you do, you want to win that field position battle. How's the, the punting game looking? Yeah, we got we got two really good punters. You know, one guy he can he can boom it and uh, you know really drive the ball. The other guy's got really good finesse and poise and and really good accuracy. So um, you know, it's still a punting competition, and and you know we'll we'll see kind of what we uh, you know what cream rises to the top. Return game. Let's start with kick return. I know there's the Hornets have so much team speed, but. You know, sometimes I know it's been a decision to not return the ball, some advantages to do it. Um, where are you looking at the return game? Yeah, we, we have uh, a lot of talent here in Sacramento, um, in the Sacramento area. And so, you know, we got a couple of returners that, uh, you know, obviously Gandy, um, once he gets fully healthy and back, he, he, he's our guy. Um, we got a couple other guys who can really get, get going, you know, Fulcher, Scadaboo, Tal Tolliver. Um, you know Parker Clayton. Um, I'm, not, I'm sure I'm leaving a couple other guys out, but um, you know, and it's the same for kick and punt return. Yeah, punt return is going to be more um, Marcus Fulcher, Scadaboo, um, Tuck Tolliver doesn't really catch punts. Um, you know, and then a couple other like wide receivers, Abel Ardas, another guy catches punts as well. He's yeah. a jack of all trades, and so um, we got a lot of depth. And it's going to be once the once the lights come on, who you know who takes advantage of the reps. How much of what you do as the special teams coach is predicated on what the other team has as their skill set? So, for example, are you know some teams maybe you want them to return the ball. Other teams, you know, hey, they got a speedster that can go a little bit. We're kicking away. Like, how do you, or does is that how you game plan it? Just based on their skill set compared to yours? Yeah. First and foremost, we look at what we do best, mm-hmm. and then uh, if it matches up with what they do good or bad, then we we kind of scheme around it. But I'm trying to put our punters in the best position to kick a great ball um and if they got a you know deadly returner it's hey let's not let's not be too crazy let's try to hang that ball up there get good placement location um because you know you play with fire a little bit too much and you get caught but you you just want to make sure that that you know that metaphorical flame isn't burning too bright on the other team um you know if they got not a whole lot of juice then you know you can kind of take advantage of driving the ball a little bit more um but yeah, I look at first and foremost what we do great, um, and then try to tailor it around if we can expose them a little bit. And then lastly, on that on special teams, it's important to get down the field and, and make these tackles. I know you've got a lot of guys that play in the field already that are duplicate, you know, playing multiple positions here. But who do you think will be some of the key guys getting downfield and making the stops that you need on special teams? Yeah, or Daz mm-hmm. again, like I talked about, Tau Tolliver. Yeah. Um, He's going to be in the running for special teams player of the year, I think. Nice. Uh, he registered last year, but in those four games he played for us, heck, he might have had like nine or ten tackles and big time ones against Davis, against mm-hmm. South Dakota State. Uh, you know, and I wanted to play him more, but it's like, do we want to burn his red shirt just mm-hmm. on punt and kickoff? Uh, so he's he's a he's a big factor. Cam Broussard, uh, uh, you know, Cam Rocha, um, you know, Pat Dean. Uh, Jared Gibson. I mean, there's, there's, I can go on and on. There's about 20 guys who are staples on our special teams units uh, and guys who buy in and play fast and physical and go all out effort. All right. So you've heard from the coaches, offense, defense, special teams. Now it's time to play the games. This is what we all wait for. Game one, home opener, season opener. It's Saturday. Game time, remember, 730 Hornet fans as excessive heat. I know it's uh, still summer, and we've had a warm summer, but we have hit the hottest week of the year. 
and we're going to have some record temperatures coming up this Labor Day weekend. So be careful when you're out there. Think about that. Hydrate all the things you need to do. But the game time, out of uh, excessive caution, they're going to move the game to 730. It'll obviously be uh, without sun at that point. Still be a warm evening, and um, but the game goes on. And so the Hornets will take on now Utah Tech, formerly Dixie State. And game one is always a little bit of a mystery. Uh, Dixie State and now Utah Tech has a lot of changes, a lot of transfer portal players, and some changes you heard even from the Hornet coaches on their radar of a different look with the offensive and defensive coordinators there, or offensive coordinator, and maybe an aggressive run-and-shoot type style is what we can expect from Utah Tech this Saturday. Coach Peterson, who is the former Hornet offensive coordinator, Paul Peterson, had some good years under Marshall Spurbeck and Jody Sears running the Hornet offense, and he went to Snow College then after that and now is at uh, Dixie State slash Utah Tech, and they had, without a doubt, the most difficult schedule a year ago, only won one game, and proved to be a really tough test in game one for the Hornets last year. And that's part of the concern in week one. You just don't know. Is your team ready? Do you really know what you have in a team? And what are you getting from the other team? What new wrinkles have they added? What transfer portal players are going to come in and have an impact on that team? So a little bit of a mystery of what to expect coming up Saturday in the home and season opener. But uh, last year, the Hornets got through it. I think that's the best way to explain how... Game one of a year ago went for the Hornets on the road in St. George against, again, at that time, Dixie State. Let's listen back to a few key plays that helped the Hornets propel them to a win to start 1-0 last year with a victory. To try to put the Hornets on the scoreboard here in the opening quarter. 10.57 left, snap comes down, the kick is on the way, and... It is good. Oh, yes. So Sinkowski drills it. Nice drive for the Hornets after the turnover. The pride of Blaine Washington <laughs> on the Canadian border up there. Well done. Good drive by the Hornets. Thought they might have had a touchdown. They get points after the turnover. 10-52 left first quarter. Sacramento State 3. Dixie State nothing. So first and 10 for Dixie State deep in their own territory. Now the tailback is Quali Conley. What a really good spring. He is about three yards deep in the end zone. They're going to play fake, throw from the end zone. Pressure coming, and it's lobbed towards the near side and incomplete. Hornets got all the way to the back of the end zone, and they want a safety or grounding. There's no receiver on that side of the field at all. There's no receiver on that side of the hash mark. The officials are conferring right now. The Hornets are calling for this. They want the safety. Their quarterback's trying to point out who he was throwing to. There comes the flag. Yep. And so now the Hornets have a first and goal ball placed at the one-and-a-half-yard line. Dixie State will substitute three defenders. Hornets have their same formation in. And Perkinson is the tailback here. O'Hara, who rarely goes under center so far, is under center again. The tight ends and receivers are bunched tight to the line of scrimmage. Hornets now wholesale shifting. First and goal, O'Hara. We'll play fake. He'll keep it rolling out. Wide open. Caught. Touchdown. First of the year goes to Marcel Martin. Well done by Sacramento State. Marcel Martin caught it after a little deception by Asher O'Hara. And wide open. All he had to do was catch it, and he strolls into the end zone. That was as easy as it gets. He was uncovered. Charlie McBride has checked in as a additional tight end wholesale substitutions coming in for Dixie State play clocks at five Hornets got to go they get under center down to three down to two O'Hara gets it off play fake looking towards the end zone a drag route to the outside to Martin touchdown Sacramento State 
Marshall Martin dragging across the field, caught it in the end zone for his second touchdown of the game. Wide open, the lollipop pass back to the left side. Martin cutting all the way across the field from right to left. It took a long time to get there. He was wide open, and then he just threw a, a looper. Well, here goes the victory formation. Pierre Williams is about 15 yards back to protect in case anything really goofy happens. Dunaway will feel the uh, snap. He will take two steps forward, take a knee, and that is going to do it. The Hornets are going to start out the season 1-0, and get a road victory. They come to St. George and get the job done and get the win. They beat Dixie State. Your final, 19-7, Sacramento State with the W. Guys down here with the winning coach, Coach Taylor. It's been a long time, 91 weeks. How did it feel to get back out there and to get a win? It felt like we hadn't played in a game in 91 weeks. It was a little bit sloppy, but, you know, we, we made uh, plays when we needed to, and we were resilient. Obviously, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't exactly perfect, but uh, some of that stuff's going to happen when you, when you have a layoff in the first game of the year. But uh, I'm really proud of our guys for hanging in there. It's been a long time for all of them. You, you saw good things and bad things defensively. Yeah. You held them. You held them seven points. Good team over there at Dixie yeah. State, and and you saw some things offensively. Just things that you can yeah. work on yeah. moving forward. We had some penalties, obviously, but we uh, on the on the defensive side of the ball and offensively. Um, I thought we did a good job on special teams, and we took care of the ball. We didn't turn hey, it over, which is always going to be sure really important. We got stuff to clean up. We got to you know play better, better in every round. But uh, hey, we're one and zero, uh, and get to fly back home, and then uh, get to see the Hornet crowd. When we play next week. Well, like we keep saying, and, and you heard from Coach Taylor in the recap last year with Danny there, that, you know, they got through it. They looked to get better. And you remember the Hornets a year ago started one and two and a little bit uneven, just not quite sure what kind of a football team they were. Well, then they got in a groove and they really took off. So, you know, week one is our first information gathering session on the 2022 Hornets. Won't be the end all be all, but we'll get our first look. And excited about that. Again, game time, 7.30. Hopefully you'll be able to check us out on the radio and or in person at the game or both. And we look forward to recapping it all and getting ready for a bye. <laughs> it's so bizarre to play one week and then have a bye week, but that's the schedule the Hornets have. But let's hope the Hornets can start 1-0. We do thank you for listening. Hopefully you subscribe to the podcast and get it. Tell your friends, other Hornets out there, others that support the program. We appreciate all of you that take the time to listen to our weekly podcast during the football season but that's it Uh, enjoy the home opener season opener we'll recap it next week on another edition of the stingers up football podcast see you